And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right, so if you have paid attention to anything in the news you know that real estate is on fire right now. I don't mean literally on fire, but it is a hot, hot topic right now. Prices of houses are up. Selling prices are through the roof. It's just, you know, people are buying homes sight unseen. And with that, that's creating, it creates a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff to keep up with, a lot of stuff to manage. So why not have a great technology solution to go with it? That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, before we get into who I'm visiting with, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Canva, where you go to collaborate and create amazing graphic design for free, whether it's a presentation to share an idea, a video to launch your business, or a social post to start a conversation with Canva. You can design anything, discover the magic of visual communication and how Canva helps you create a lasting impact. Go to canva.com to learn more. Little fact here, I actually uh, sent Canva the proposal to sponsor this episode with a proposal that I created on Canva that might have had something to do with why they bought it. So with me today, I am really excited to have one of uh, one of our Salt Lake City top startup founders. So we're going to throw a congratulations out for that. If you missed that episode, you can go back. That aired on April 20th. There's a link to that in the show notes. With me today, I have Brian Charlesworth. Brian is the founder of Sisu. You can go to sisu.co and learn more about what they do to help real estate teams. There is also a link in the show notes. Now, straight out of the Silicon Slopes, of Salt Lake City, Utah. Brian, welcome to Startup Hustle. Hey, excited to be here, Matt. How's it going? Uh, it's going, man. You know, well, first off, congrats for being on the top startups list. And, yeah, thank uh, you. You know, that was, I think that was our first trip down the Silicon Slopes of Salt Lake City. Um, now, for, for those of you listening, Brian just taught me Silicon Slopes, so that's my <laughs> third use of it. So I put, put it right into play. But, you know, Brian, why don't you give us a little bit of a background about you and also what you guys do at, at CISU? Okay, yeah. So, you know, technology's always been my thing. I've been an entrepreneur before being an entrepreneur was popular. Um, you know, uh, back in 98, actually. So... Uh, we started a company called Talk to Technology that uh, we were the first voice internet company. And so I've always been intrigued with the internet, always been involved with the internet. After selling a few businesses, I moved into the franchising world and started buying franchisors. And uh, about eight years ago, sold uh, Housemaster Home Inspections and worked on uh, worked with Budget Blinds, tried to buy them and instead partnered with them. We sold that as well. And uh, when that happened, my wife asked me to jump in and help her build a real estate team while I was figuring out the next thing I wanted to do. And, you know, 
I wasn't really that excited, honestly, about building a real estate company. I grew up with a dad who had been in real estate and, you know, he had his ups and downs and uh, I'm passionate about technology. So, but I, I jumped in and what I found is she had a small team of five agents at the time. She now has a team of 55, 60 agents. Um, but the processes, when I jumped in, it was just a very cumbersome, difficult thing to try to manage real estate agents, to try to manage real estate operations. So there wasn't really anything out there. Um, you know, there are CRMs in the real estate space that do lead follow-up and do IDX websites. But there wasn't anything out there about managing business goals, uh, you know, converting daily numbers, weekly numbers, accountability, all that kind of stuff, commission management. Uh, we had to use Trello for task management. So what we found is we would take the numbers and put them into Google Sheets, and then we would take things and we'd get from Google Forms, we'd get the agent's information for a transaction that then the TC would take that information and put it into Trello, which was just super cumbersome. So that's kind of how CSU was born. So what, it was the daisy chaining of a whole bunch of different stuff and that inefficient feeling that make, made you want to create. If you go to sisu.co, you can see it's they right there in the header. It says where real estate transacts online and, you know, helping bring a lot of the stuff in. And, you know, some of the stuff, I mean, honestly, Brian, it's, some of it seems pretty straightforward. It's just some dashboards with your data and your metrics. And, you know, it's crazy when you think about a, an industry like real estate and not having tools like this. I've always looked at real estate and like, been like, man, this is just ripe for disruption yeah. in a lot of cases, but in some cases it just probably needed a little bit of efficiency. So, so when you went, when you went about going to do that, was this really just intended to, at first to be an internal tool for your wife's company? Or were you yeah. like, Hey, I see an opportunity here for something bigger and broader. That's it. That's a great question. Nobody ever asks me that question, honestly. Um, we actually built an app when we first started just for her agents to track their numbers. So it was internal. And what we found is those five agents, all five of them started doubling their business every month. So instead of doing three transactions, they were doing six transactions, right? Um, just from tracking. And so that's kind of how it got started. And so when people think of us, they think of us as kind of a, a lot of people think of us as this tracking software or this dashboard business intelligence software. But what we're really focused on is streamlining and automating the entire real estate transaction process. Um, because the duplicate entry doesn't allow people to scale. I've had so many teams come up to me and say, hey, you know what, I just can't get past 500 transactions. And it's not because I can't sell them, it's because I can't support them. And then they start using Sisu and now they're doing, you know, a thousand or 2000 transactions with the same team they had before. I'm surprised no one's asked you that question. Maybe it's non-entrepreneurs asking then, because yeah. I, I find that so much of, you know, I look at like, you know, gigabook.com, which I'm also the founder of, as well as full scale, like both of those businesses were born solving our own problems. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, and you kind of get good at doing that. And then you realize, oh, wow, there's a lot of other people that have the same problem. Maybe I can, you know, make a business out of it. And that it's that, I think it's that, that, uh, model testing that quite honestly makes things good. They don't, yeah. they don't, they don't rely on 
stupid amounts of funding and, and have burn rates. Like you often have to build these things within the context of your business and not have it, you know, poke a hole in the side of the boat and make it take on water. So I think some of that, that stuff gets pretty good now. So at what point did you like, did you realize, Hey, there might be something bigger here? So, I mean, I, I was super frustrated having to spend a lot of time on weekends in spreadsheets and trying to figure out how to streamline her business and eliminate the duplicate entry. And so when we saw the results we were getting from that, we were like, this is probably worth building a business. And then we said, we, we really need to eliminate spreadsheets and Trello and Google Forms from being in this space because having all this data in these three different platforms, which is what most teams do, they have no visibility into their business. And it's redundant duplicate entry every single time they go to do something. So um, I, I made this observation. My wife had a an ops person that was kind of like a CFO, if you will, but not really. I mean, she just had a small business of five people, but she would get her reports of, you know, knowing where her business was on the 15th day of the month following the month that she was in. Right. So imagine here we are today on May 5th, on June 15th, I'm going to get information that's going to help me make decisions on what happened up to 45 days ago. And that's going to allow me to possibly make 12 decisions a year. And they're not going to be very great decisions because I'm so far behind. And so I realized, you know, one of the key things we needed to do was really give people real-time data around their entire business while streamlining and automating it so we could allow people to scale. And so, um, you know, just to give you an example, her team at the time, she had five agents doing about 150 transactions a year. And this year, She's, I mean, she's grown a lot. She's hired 20 something agents in the last few months, but um, she will do, she's at about 60 agents. She will do over a thousand transactions this year. And really um, like she used to have three transaction coordinators to, to manage once somebody goes under contract to manage that process of getting these, um, these people to close. And, and, you know, now that she has these systems in place, she actually has one transaction coordinator and two VAs, and she's doing a thousand transactions compared to 150 transactions. Just way more, way more effective, right? Way more efficient. Well, I think a lot of small business owners make the mistake of just continuing to try to do things the way they've always done it. And that's, you know, as you mentioned, that's prohibitive of growth. Now you get into a thousand, you know, cycles of anything. And if you've removed 50 steps, from that. I mean, that's pretty significant. And, yeah. you know, and, and you, so, you know, a lot of people just try to try to add more, more bodies to take care of that. And that's more expense. It's just more frustration. And, you know, the, the greatest thing that about technology is software shows up to work every day. Exactly. That's, I mean, that, that's the thing that's, that's the real key ingredient. So you, if you're trying to strive towards real time now, you know, when you started the business, you've also gone through some different, you know, kind of turbulent phases of real estate. And, you know, right now is nuts. So you have to, I would imagine right now, you'd have to have some real time info going on. I mean, houses in my neighborhood are selling the same, like the same hour they mm -hmm. list if they even make it that far. And I, I would think if you didn't have real time anything that you're probably going to fall behind in a hurry. Well, I, I was going to, you know, when my wife had me join uh, and, and partner with her in the business, it was like, okay, how can I, how can I get up to speed as fast as possible? So I hired a couple of coaches 
and I actually had a listing coach and, you know, I, I wanted to become the real estate expert and we were going to all kinds of masterminds with top teams. And back then top teams were doing, you know, a hundred million in volume. Now they're doing a billion in volume. So that's how much things have changed in the last five years. Yeah. But um, as, as we were going to these masterminds, all these people, when they would stand up and introduce themselves, they always stood up and they said, you know, I closed X number of units last year and this was my closed volume. And that's how they introduced themselves. That's how they were, you know, recognizing who they were and their accomplishment. And my question, I always had a follow-up question and I said, well, what, where are you at this year? And they could never answer that. Not one of them could ever answer that. Even if they were claiming to be like super good trackers, knowing their business with spreadsheets, they still couldn't answer, where am I at this year? As far as number of closed units, closed volume. It's the most basic, simple question you could possibly know, right? So, so you know, it's interesting. I Sometimes my wife and I are in bed at night and she gets excited about, hey, I'm going to jump in and and look at, okay, what, what am I going to make this month? What am I going to make next month based on my current pending units, right? And it's just all right there for us. Click of a button, she can make those decisions. Um, you know, she can, she can decide which agent should I give which types of leads because they're actually converting them or where should I invest my money to spend these leads? All those types of things. Like, honestly, if you're not using CSU, there's you're really not making those kinds of decisions in your business today in real estate. Um, one of the things I've learned, these real estate team leaders, who a lot of them are just incredible business leaders now, but when they got started, you know, they sold a lot of homes themselves. And so they decided, I'm going to build a team because Gary Keller wrote a book in 2003 talking about the millionaire real estate agent. And that's how you're going to build this million dollar business, right? Um, at that time, like none of them were great leaders. They were realtors. They were salespeople. And they had to become great leaders. And a lot of them started trying to start a team today. They're really salespeople who need to learn to become a great leader. CISU was really built to give you all the tools you need to effectively manage and hold your agents accountable and build a sales team and make them more effective and streamline and automate your business for your operation side. There's something I want to roll back. A couple minutes to for those of you listening, you know, Brian has been a successful founder multiple times before starting this venture. And I want you to notice that the very first thing he did when he jumped into something new is accelerated his path to becoming an expert. Get yourself around people that already know what they're doing, that are already where you might want to go or be, and you have to become an expert at, at anything. And I, I think that it's easy for some people, if you've been successful in the past, that I noticed that these like some, you know, multiple time founders, sometimes they get a little, they get a little comfortable. With, and they go and try to jump into something new and, you know, they think that they've learned everything already. <laughs> You got to come in, you got, but that's the whole thing is without a level of expertise and understanding. And that's, that means what that means, you, your competitors, the products, the marketplace, all of it. And, you know, I think that, you know, in, in my book, Balance Me, I mentioned that success demands payment in advance. That is an example. And if you're not going to become an expert at what you do, you're probably not going to be highly successful. So, okay. Now, here now, we are. Now something, else, something else I'd like to add to what you just said. Yeah, please. Because I think a lot of times people just think it's easy for entrepreneurs. And 
what I love, you know, in this scenario, my wife's been watching this the whole time, right? She is our beta test company. And it's fun because I see get to see and experience her growth. But you have no idea how many times she's looked at me and said, watching you do this, like anybody else I know would have quit 10 times, right? Just based on the things that, that I've been faced with. And honestly, like that's, that's part of growing a business, right? You're going to face challenges. You're going to fail in many areas. And then you have to, based on what, what hits you, that it's all about how you respond, right? Um, and right now, like with CSU, um, we're adding about 150 teams a month right now, which is, which is great growth for the amount of salespeople and marketing we've done and things like that. But now it's the challenge of, okay, how do we make sure we're providing the best support to these people? How do we make sure we're getting them onboarded so that they can take full advantage of our platform? Because, you know, you can't just come in and automatically everything's working and flowing for you. There's work to, to get it from using all these other systems to now putting it all in CSU, right? So, so anyway, you always have different challenges and it's a matter of how you respond to those. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, my wife said some things to me over the years, sometimes pleasant ones. Sometimes she actually makes nice comments to me about being an entrepreneur. Uh, it's usually along the lines of, oh, my God, you're crazy for wanting to do this again. Um, That's actually where I was going with my next question was. So after having a couple successful ventures in the past, how did you feel about starting something brand new? Because like for me right now, you know, and I'm still in the middle of the full scale journey. We just hired our 250th employee and, you know, have made some big advances in our, in our plat and management platform. I mean, right now, if you ask me if I wanted to do something, no, I'd say hell no. <laughs> so I've been at that place in my life. There was a point in my 30s that I was like, you know, at this point, all I want to do is invest in companies, right? So I, I actually moved into franchising and started a franchising investment firm. And what I learned, I learned a couple of things. Number one, I'm not the best investor uh, as far as finding the companies to invest in. Um, number two, I learned that I would much rather, I had to step in and become the CEO of a few of these companies. And I would much rather be building a company that I'm passionate about than somebody else's dream. Um, that That's not entertaining to me. So, so anyway, what I, after those last two um, companies sold, like I knew I didn't want to do that anymore. What I wanted to do was build my own thing because that's where I've had the most fun. And I, you know, I've experienced both sides of that. And for me, it's way more fun to be building something that I'm passionate about, something that I feel is going to to change the world in some some you know facet. So, uh, I think a lot of people. I started this business when I was in my late 40s, and I remember being in my you know 26 years old when I first started my first technology company, and. Back then, most people told me I was too young. Now, right now, most people would tell me I'm, they, they think I'm too old, right? When, when is the right time? So what I would say is you just got to, you have to do what your heart tells you to do and go for it, no matter, no matter what, how old you are. 
I'll share. Uh, I'll, I'll throw myself under the bus here, Brian. So when FullScale hired its 250th employee, I was actually in Cebu at our office this is just recently. And I said, man, I wonder how many of these people are older than me. One. I'm 46, man. I'm not that and- old. But I was like, you know, to be the to be almost the oldest person at a 250 person company. Um, you know, there's a lot of stats out there because you know Hollywood leads you to believe that the ultra successful entrepreneur like is like 20 years old and has this brilliant idea. And while that definitely occurs, it's actually in your 40s that um, that the some of the most successful and productive entrepreneur years come. And I, and that's, it has a lot to do with having actually learned a lot of stuff and had some experience and seen winning in some places, maybe losing in others and, and getting it figured out. So as a reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Canva. With Canva, you can design your ideas with ease, get inspired with over half a million free templates and a rich content library that helps you and your team achieve your goals. Sign up and start designing for free at canva.com. Brian, have you ever tried Canva? I have, yes. I think most people have, right? Cl- At some point or another. It's a clever little platform, yeah. They, yeah. They've been yeah. around for a while Kinda, now. It made, it, made, it, made, it made me a graphic designer in many ways. Like the, yeah. Sometimes my staff is like, dude, you did this on Canva? I'm like, yeah, it wasn't that hard. So yeah, it's, uh, it's nice. That was always something I struggled with before I discovered Canva. I was like, I just want to make a social media post that looks cool. And I had I mean, to, you know, have designers and everything do it. If anyone does vision boards today, like every time I do a vision board, it's on Canva. Like, why would you do it any other way? Yeah. Instead of cutting cutting things out and doing that, just do it electronically. It takes you a few minutes. <laughs> I I really did use Canva to create the proposal to get Canva as a sponsor. So I think that that, that may have helped. Okay, so... Yeah, I was looking through your product and uh, once again, go to Sisu, S-I-S-U dot C-O. There's a link in the show notes. If you are a real estate professional, you want to go check this stuff out. All right. So can you explain what Sisu's decision intelligence engine does? So, I mean, if you, that question, I would guess you're meaning what we do as far as business intelligence. And so... Yeah, I mean, and how it works with other industries or any of that. I mean, there are a lot of companies, and even take Domo, for instance, here in Utah, um, that went public a few years back. And what they do is they really visualize your data, right? But most companies that visualize your data through business intelligence, and there are a lot of them that do that, most of them, what they're really focused on is just visualizing your spreadsheets, Right. Um, Which which is valuable because you can visualize your spreadsheets. But in my opinion, in today's world, especially running a real estate business, you should no longer be using spreadsheets like our focus instead of visualizing spreadsheets is eliminating spreadsheets. And if the data is going into CSU, you have real time reporting without having to connect to a spreadsheet, without having to use a spreadsheet. You have a database where you don't have to put the same information in, into 10 different forms, right? You can just visual, you can just say, I want this field to be visible in this form and this field in this form. And if it's the same two fields, things as simple as name, address, phone number, and email, how, do you really want to put those in five different times or do you just want to have them nope. in your database? So 
So, I mean, as far as business intelligence goes, to answer your question, if you're in real estate, it's critical that you know, you be able to look at a dashboard like the ones flowing behind me and say, hey, here's where my breakdown is, right? If I went on this many listing appointments, if I went on 10 listing appointments and I got two listings signed, there's a problem. And that problem is, I, I'm not very good with my listing presentation, right? What can I do? And if I'm a leader of a real estate team, now you can coach your agents in this fashion. What I found when I first got in this business, most real estate team leaders were having one-on-ones with their agents on a weekly basis. And the topic was usually being more of a personal counselor, life counselor, instead of focusing on their goals and all of the metrics that they need to hit those goals and what their conversion rates are and where the breakdowns are and those types of things. So, I mean, as far as that intelligence, just letting people know, you know, where your conversion, what are your conversion rates? Where are the breakdowns? Where are the, you know, uh, what are the lead sources that are making you the, the highest returns? Which are the agents that are making you the highest returns? Which agents are using your preferred vendors or in the, when I say that it's your mortgage company, your title company, things like that. And you, if, if you're a big real estate team, it's very likely you own those businesses today. So are you really going to keep giving the leads to the agents that aren't using those other businesses of yours? Because you can make more money from an agent who's doing 20 transactions than you can from one doing 40 transactions. If the 20 agent transaction 20 transaction agent is using your preferred vendors and the, the 40 transaction agent is not. So most, most people don't have that kind of information at their fingertips in any business, yet alone real estate. But uh, we've just made it really easy. And I, I learned that Salesforce was too complex for most people in real estate. So we made it really easy to have a Salesforce-like platform at a fraction of the price that is 100% specific to real estate. And it even does stuff like gamify your business. So you can run sales challenges and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Salesforce has good dashboards, but they're a little complex and they're not made specific for my industry Right. So so it's hard to get the same flexibility and the same beautiful dashboards that you can get with CSU's platform. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to tip my cap to you on that one. And if anyone from Salesforce is listening, can you just make like a simple light product, too? Because like I ran into the same thing, man. I'm like, I don't need all this shit. I don't need all that and I don't want it. And like, I don't know, I shouldn't you shouldn't have to hire have to hire a developer to have your CRM or your basic stuff for whatever it is that you need it for. And like, yeah, that was. So so don't get me wrong. We use Salesforce in our business. That being said, I've run into four real estate teams and, and or brokerages um, that have used Salesforce and all of them paid over a million dollars to get their Salesforce instance built out. And they're paying somebody right now between a hundred thousand and one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year to maintain to babysit that. it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas with Sisu, you get way more than you're going to get from Salesforce if you're in real estate, and you don't have to pay anybody to maintain it. And guess what? It's going to cost you probably somewhere between, you know, three to uh, three hundred to a thousand dollars a month. So, max probably twelve twelve grand a year. <laughs> 
Yeah, and that's that's been my point is some of that's just like, like wow, there's a lot here. Okay, so you guys are doing you guys have some machine learning and other stuff in the platform. What do you what is what is what kind of stuff are you insights or actions are you generating from that? Yeah, I mean the main things that we're tracking on that sense is, you know, being able to give you notifications of how you're doing compared to your goals. So automatically notifying you such as, I don't know if you use things like Strava or Tonal or any of those types of training uh, apps, but I, I use a lot of them and they're all gamified. So we do, we do some of the gamification stuff on that front. Another thing we do is if you've been in our platform for six months or longer, we know we know all of your conversion ratios. So if you tell us how much money you want to make, we can plug in exactly which activities you need to do to make that much money because we know all your conversion ratios, right? So um, I've, I've been to gold planning sessions in masterminds and had trainers come in to do that even for my wife's team. And, you know, we brought everyone together and it took, it took a full day to get to the point of being able to go in and set your goals for next year. If you've been using Sisu, it's going to take you five minutes to do that. And we'll just do it for you. I think one, I think anything that helps you, I think one of the things that a lot of just, you know, I know a lot of real estate people are on teams. A lot of them are independent. There's a lot of fragmentation in the industry, a lot of different companies and things that they work for. And I would imagine it'd be pretty hard to benchmark. Like, am I doing any, am I doing well? You know, like what is, is this, is this ratio or anything? It's like, so a lot of people ask, um, you know, I, I work with a lot of different software companies and they're like, well, the, and so as I get to know a lot of our clients, they're like, well, is this, a, is this a good churn rate? Is this a good, this, is this a good that? I'm like, man, you can't just look at SaaS at software as a service is that broad of a category. You know, it's like in some, in some instances, you know, some things are just have high churn rates. Some things have like no churn rate. So yeah. you know, anything, anything that, indus- that generates industry insights and helps people like, I don't know if you, if, if anything that can also tug someone it, it's up, you know, pull them upward. And, and I don't know, I think the gamification thing is, is powerful because, well, first off, no one likes to see their name last on the list. Yeah. And second off, it's like, just like these little things, you know, if you're going to eat the elephant, you got to do it one bite at a time and just seeing yourself make progress and do stuff like that is uh, I'll give you an example is it's even just simple things. So at full scale, our deliverables, our time, and we put a meter and our employee profile, like in our employee portal, because we realized they didn't actually see how much time they had worked yeah. each month. So when we put that in, more people hit their hit their monthly numbers mm-hmm. because I think it's natural to want to fill up the meter. Exactly. You know? So exactly. You know, we so- also, also, also made it change colors as it got certain places. You fill it up, and now it turns green and. Yeah, I mean, there are all kinds of studies that uh, individual salespeople's performance will increase over 30% just by doing those types of things. So a couple of things that we do in our platform along those lines, any team that's on our platform, and we focused on teams and independent brokerages because they're the ones in this space that run their business like a business. And we feel like they are the future of real estate. Um, So, but... They can run a contest within their team where, you know, they could have two teams, divide their team up into two teams that are competing against each other or three teams, or they could just have individual contests. Um, So there's a lot of that going on in our platform. But another thing that we added about a year ago is 
the ability for teams, we have over 3000 teams on the platform right now. So the ability for them to look and say, where do I stack up against all these teams? And we don't, we don't have a leaderboard where we show teams names because, or individual agents names to other groups, because we just didn't feel it was appropriate in our business um, to do that. But what we do is if I'm a team and I go to our landing page, when you sign into the platform, one of the things you can see is how I'm stacking up against all these other teams. So I could see that I rank number eight of 3000 teams in the platform, which gives me a pretty good indication of how I'm doing. Right. Um, I can also see my personal record in every single category and how I'm doing this month. Right. So, if the best month I've ever had was putting 80 homes under contract and this month I'm at 65, I can see how I'm pacing towards that, you know? So I, I, being in a lot of platforms like that, I think it's great to be able to compare yourself to other people, but the most valuable thing really is to compare yourself against yourself. True. And so at a team level or at an agent level that happens within our platform. Yeah, we do a lot of that with our, like the people analytics, you know, just little, little triggers too, just, you know, monitoring retention rates. And, you know, sometimes it's just simple as like, just asking, <laughs> are you happy or yeah. you're not, you know, and then, and then, and then having a culture that people feel that they feel comfortable enough telling you things that aren't always what you want to hear. So, um, all right. So a little shift here. Uh, since we are on startup hustle and according to the internet, you guys have raised $128 million over a series of rounds, including a recent series C congratulations on that. Um, so, so I don't think that, I don't think that's us actually. I think that's uh that's the other, is that C a different company? That's the other C company I was telling you about. Oh my God. Well, you would know, you would know. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that's so not this us. is, this, this is incorrect. Okay. Well, then maybe I should ask, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to. Did you, has this, have you received outside investment? Yeah. So the first few years we, as founders, uh, well, I was the primary founder, but my partner has also mm -hmm. invested in the company. We, we kind of self-funded it. We let a few of our customers come in, bootstrap the company, if you will. Um, in 2020, uh, we took in some seed capital. And then again, last year we took in some additional capital. So we've, um, you know, we've been operating pretty close to break even um, from the beginning. And so we haven't had to take in as much capital as most. We had an opportunity last year to take in a large amount of capital and chose to take in less. So we've, we've taken in a close to $10 million of capital overall today. So I'm curious with that. And that's, yeah, that's a little different than the number of my shame yeah. on you production team. <laughs> um, so the question with that and, you know, like it, with it being startup hustle, that's always the, that's always kind of the pressing need that so many people have when I talk to them, when I'm not recording the show, um, what, what are, you know, having done this multiple times over different ventures and then also with CSU, once again, go to CSU, S-I-S-U dot C-O to learn more about Brian's company. But what, what are a couple of things that you learned about raising capital? Mm -hmm. So I've had some good experience. Yeah, by the way, you hear, you hear that, you hear that little chuckle. That's a, <laughs> that's a common thing. I might have to make a highlight reel of like <laughs> the first five seconds after I asked that question. Cause yeah. yeah. So I've had some good experiences and I've had some bad experiences, but, um, let's talk about know, both. 
<laughs> yeah, like right now, the money that we have in our company, these are people that share our vision. These are people that believe in us as a team. These are people that are there to assist us and do things and add value that we couldn't get on our own. And that's why we brought their money in. Um, I've had experiences in the past when I went with some big named VCs that were the, the partners I worked with were extremely young. And, you know, immediately they thought we were a billion dollar company. Uh, we raised money at a hundred million dollar valuation and raised $43 million and within three months had an offer for 300 million and they wouldn't even consider it. And that was the first time I had really been in that world. You know, I was in my late twenties and, um, I had actually signed documents that said I couldn't sell the company for less than five X where they came in. So we couldn't sell for under 500 million. And that was, that was a, that was a life lesson for me. Right. And, what I would say is it's a great thing, a great experience. I learned from it. I grew from it. If I did that same thing again, I'd be disappointed in myself. So um, when I was out raising capital last year, I, I met with a lot of top tier VCs and we had we had a bunch of term sheets that came in. And, you know, I, I met with a VC that looked me in the eye and he said, you know, my biggest concern here is if one of these massive real estate companies comes in and wants to buy you for $500 million in the next couple of years that you might say yes. And, and I looked at him and said, if that's your biggest concern, you're not a fit for my company. You know, this, will we go public? We, there's a chance we could go public. We believe we can get to a hundred million in revenue. That being said, you know, you never know what the situation is of the market and the timing. And if some, if somebody brings the right offer at the right time, you need to have partners that, that see those things the way you do and would be willing to, to take the right offer at the right time. So, so anyway, um, that would be like the biggest lesson I've learned in, in funding is sometimes, sometimes some of those VCs, their model is they're going to have you know, they're going to invest in 10 companies and of those 10 companies, they expect eight of them to fail and they expect two of them to be massive returns. And if, you know, that's not the kind of investor I'm looking for in my business. So uh, I want to, I want an investor that needs me to be successful. What do you think the key to gaining to, for, you know, someone that's never raised before? Now, here's the thing. I, like, if I look at you, I look at me, like we go in, that's a different meeting than the person that hasn't done anything yet. Yeah. So what, what's a, what's a tip you can give for the, for the first time founder? Well, it's interesting. You know, a lot of these investors are actually looking for first time founders that come from the right school that are a certain age. And sometimes just with an idea, you're going to be able to go raise money from these top tier VCs. And if you're able to do that with an idea and you don't care about your dilution, I'd say go for it. You know, if you don't care about controlling the direction of your company, go for it. But, you know, if some of those things are important to you that you want to make sure that, you know, you can continue to make decisions for your business. And um, anyway, it, it, there's just different strategies for it. But, you know, I, I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say it's likely any harder for somebody like that. You know, I think... 
I think it just depends on on where you're at, right? Everyone has different situations. And what I would say to anybody raising money, I don't care if you've had experience or not, you, you need to be willing to accept, you know, 50 to 100 no's because yep. you're, go you're going to get those. And if, if no's are hard for you, you're probably not the right person to, to grow a startup. <laughs> yeah, I had that same conversation the other day. I think my, my most common advice for the the first time person is to really know and understand that they're investing in you, maybe even more than the business, mm -hmm. you know, Absolutely. so, so show, show the passion. And I also encourage people to don't be afraid to admit the things that you don't know. And, you know, say, Hey, look, these are the things that we're great at. These are the things that we need to fix. We're aware of them. And this is how we plan on fixing it. And that's part of what the money coming in. Yeah. Is, I mean, you know, investors, like investors want to feel like they can make a difference in your business, right? So they want to find a weakness that they can help you solve. So absolutely don't be afraid to share that. Yeah. And that's a good thing, people. That's a good thing when you get you, these are folks that work towards the greater good. Speaking of the greater good and the greater good of the podcast, it's about time for the founders freestyle where I will give Brian a chance to recap today's episode and discussion. Maybe there's some things he left out. You know, sometimes we've had people sing, recite poetry, rap, we've pretty much done it all. Now, before we get into that, I want to, once again, a big thank you to today's episode sponsor, Canva. With Canva, you can work together from wherever, whenever. You can get on the same page as your team with seamless real-time collaboration. What will you design today? Explore and start designing for free at Canva.com. There's a link for that in the show notes. There's also a link for Sisu. That's S-I-S-U dot C-O. You know, do me a favor and go recommend Sisu to someone you know that sells real estate. Because I got to tell you, I've known a lot of people that sold real estate and, and, and I need to pick up the phone and call them because they, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, this is solving a lot of problems. I think it's pretty cool. So, uh, you know, Brian, once again, congratulations for getting your company on Startup Hustle's top Salt Lake City startups. We did, you know, we mentioned you. your company first at the, at, the, at the beginning of the episode. Now, we don't rank them. So like you're on the list or you're not, but you can know that we did mention you first. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I saw that. <laughs> Thank you. So it's, uh, I only get to say that to one person. So, all right. So it's time for the freestyle, Brian. What, what, uh, you know, you can give advice, you can give a recap. I mean, it's a freestyle, dude. You can pretty much do whatever you want. So here you go. Here's the mic. Hey, what I would tell you guys, if you want to grow a business, like a lot of people are like, what should I do? To start a business. I just want to start a business. And I would say, take a different approach than that. Instead of just looking to start a business, find something you're passionate about and go solve for that. Go solve that problem because you're going to have that kind of passion. You're going to have to have that kind of passion behind you to be able to get through some of the no's, to be able to get through some of the challenges. And if you don't have that passion that like, hey, I'm changing this industry, you won't get there. And, you know, for me, if somebody tells me no, or if someone tells me I can't do it, that's like the trigger that tells me just wait, right? I'm going to prove to you that, that, you know, you're going to regret that you missed this opportunity or you're going to, you know, what, whatever it is for me, that's, that's like added motivation, a hundred percent added motivation. If you tell me no. So the other thing I would say is, when you're growing a business, 
what you're going to find is a business changes over time. And so the role that you're going to play as a founder, it changes over time. The role that anybody in your business is playing changes over time. And so it's really important that you grow as a leader faster than your business is growing, or you won't be able to continue to lead that business. And so what does that mean? You should be reading books every day. <laughs> yeah, you should be listening to podcasts like this every day. You should be learning the tricks so that you don't have to learn the hard ways because there's so many people that have been through these things and done these things and can teach you these things. And so make sure, make sure you're doing that uh, constantly because if you're not staying ahead of the growth of your business as a leader, you won't be leading that business in five years. I agree. Well said. And I'm going to just, for my free sell, I'm just going to expand on that. So first off, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you're probably going to quit. All right. So, you know, passion and being interested in what you're doing helps you get up on the days that you might not want to do it. And, you know, self-discipline is described as doing the things you really need to do at the times that you least want to do them. So I, I've learned that passion, uh, you know, drives a whole lot of stuff. Um, you know, one thing I want to point out here is I, I sometimes think people, you know, I've had this discussion of, are all the good ideas already taken? Okay. Brian, you started this business in 2018. That was four years ago, man. This isn't like a 20 year old thing. Like this is, and it's in a, in a pretty, you know, broad industry, everyone, real estate's everywhere. Yeah. So there's a lot of solutions and a lot of things that you can start. But one of the things you mentioned, is you got to solve a problem. So if you're not solving a problem, you're not really creating value. And, you know, like it's, I mean, show me that there's not a very long list of companies that don't solve a problem that have been really successful. And I think that that's really important. Now, I'll also expand on the, the idea with the growth. Okay, so I mentioned earlier that we hired, we just hired our 250th employee at full scale. That's the first time I've been the CEO of a 250 person company. Okay, and when we have our 300th employee, it'll be the first time I've been the CEO of a 300 person company. There's a lot of journey into the into the unknown. And, you know, and for me, I, I deal with that a lot of different ways. I, I have a lot. Well, first off, this podcast is my ongoing education on many days. And I'm not afraid to reach out and ask people, you know, like if I feel like I'm stepping into something that I'm unaware of and I know someone that I can text, call knock on their door or do anything, you know, take them to a ball game, bring them to yeah. a concert, any of that stuff. And, you know, for a little bit of advice and you, I think that entrepreneurs, Brian, I have a feeling if I called you and I wanted advice, cause I'm a founder, you're a founder, you would give me advice, but you don't know Absolutely. that I need it or want it without me asking for it. Yes. So don't be afraid to reach out. You know, I did, I did three calls this week. I'm probably going to end up with like 16 more in the future, but three calls with people that were startup hustle listeners that just wanted a little bit of advice. And, you know, like, I mean, do I have to do those calls? No, but I like doing them because I have a lot of people that did them for me. I feel this, I feel this need to pay it back. Knowledge isn't meant to be kept. It's meant to be transferred. So that's part of what we're doing here on the show. And, you know, like, like I said, reach out, go to fullscale.io, 
fill out the forms. I, and, you know, I, and I will be the first person to tell you if you have a long, long, long uphill battle. And I've had people thank me for that too. So speaking of thanks, once again, a big thanks to Brian Charlesworth, the CEO and founder of Sisu, S-I-S-U dot C-O. See you there. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.